0: praise God. I really believe that we are in the middle of a move of God. We've seen some awesome things already, and I think we're going to continue to see some great things uh, before we jump into to part four, our final installment of this Sun Stand Still series. I want to introduce some people to you. My in-laws are in town all the way from Pennsylvania. If you guys would stand up, we're going to embarrass you. Come on, stand up. Let's give it up for my family. Uh, I am so blessed to have great in-laws. You guys can sit down. Uh they have been with us for the past week, and they are leaving today, and I'm sad that my in-laws are leaving town. How many know God does miracles? Man, if, if you've got in-laws that are that good that you want them to stay longer, you're a blessed person, man, and I am extremely blessed with, a, with an awesome extended family, and Thank you guys for joining us. If you get a chance today, love on them a little bit. Come give them a high five. Get to know them. Um, they are awesome people, and they've got 15 hours in a car ahead of them, so we need to send them out of here feeling pretty good. Uh, so it's going to be a long, long ride home, but in the book of Joshua chapter 10, we've been studying this miracle over the last few weeks, this miracle that I, I'm i so excited about, and that's just Open my eyes to, to a new way to pray, to a new way to seek God. And Joshua chapter 10 starts in verse 12. It says, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon over the valley of Ejelon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky, delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Let's pray. Lord God, as we dive into this passage one more time, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, God, to it to an even deeper faith than we've had before. God, that as we pray audacious prayers and, and we pray accurate prayers and we put action to our prayers. God, I pray that we would believe you even when the circumstances say that you're not doing anything. God, I pray that we would we would trust you even when things fall apart around us, even when the day goes dark. Lord, I pray that we would continue to see your light. We thank you uh, for this incredible miracle and for what it's teaching us today. And I just pray that you would speak to us one more time through this passage. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, uh... Rehearsed this message this morning as I do every once in a while on the way here in the car my wife drove and uh, I had the iPad out and I was rehearsing it and as I was doing it uh for whatever reason and I'm not really sure why I just got like crazy weepy like girl on her period kind of weepy like I don't know what happened uh like I was just losing it uh and it was bad and uh I told the guys in the production meeting, I was like, man, I just lost it this morning, uh, just crying and in tears. And David Connolly's like, man, you got to suck it up. Uh, So I'm going to suck it up this morning, and I'm going to do my best to plow through this message without losing it. I make no promises whatsoever. Um, I'm going to share something deeply personal from my own life and from my family, from our past. And I think it may relate to what many of you have either been through or maybe what some of you Are going through right now. But we spent the last few weeks examining this incredible story and, and looking at uh, what happened as Joshua prays this prayer in Joshua chapter 10, chapter 10. And we kicked it off looking at the physical realities, like what in the physical world had to happen when Joshua prayed this prayer. We know that Joshua didn't even understand everything he was asking God for when he said, Lord, make the sun stand still, that he actually was asking God to, to cause the earth to stop spinning on its axis and to start rotating around the sun and, and to stop the moon from spinning on its axis and roti- rotating around the earth. He didn't didn't know that he was actually asking God to stop the sun from soaring through the universe at 143 miles per second or over 500,000 miles per hour. He didn't understand the physical realities, but because God was the author of creation, God had the authority to step in and do whatever he wanted. Then a couple of weeks ago, we picked up and we looked at the context of this miracle. We learned that joshua did not receive a miracle because he was making all the right decisions In fact, we found out that joshua needed a miracle because he had made a very bad decision And we saw that god is so good that he can take my mistake and your mistake and turn it into our miracle The last week we looked at the content of the prayer we looked at how can we really seize this type of faith that Joshua had and ask God for incredible things, big things? We saw that in order to do so, we need to pray with audacity. We need to pray some bigger prayers. We need to ask God for some bigger things. Then we saw that we need to pray with accuracy. We need to be specific about what it is we're seeking from God. We saw that we need to put action to our prayer, just as Joshua Did And so many of you wrote down a sun stand still prayer on the cards that we gave you and we held those cards up and we prayed over them together as a church body before we left and I I stand here today very humbly to tell you that I know specifically of three of those prayers that have already been answered in this room from last Sunday. Three big, audacious, crazy requests that people put before the Lord out of this room that have already been answered. I know of a couple related to jobs and opportunities that opened up in an incredible way. I also know of one, Kelsey Steed, who we told you about last week, who was airlifted last Saturday to the Med after a horrible car accident where she flipped her car and hit a brick wall. Well, I want to tell you that yesterday Kelsey Steed got out of the hospital. We serve a God that is good. And so it's with that encouragement, it's with that belief that God can make the sun stand still and that he is making the sun stand still in our lives that I want to approach the very last part of our series today. And I want to wrap this up with what I believe will be the most challenging message in this last few weeks. I want us to wrestle together with a difficult question. I want to pose to you The question today, what do I do when the sun goes down? What do I do when I take this massive request before God, when I ask him to do the impossible and I believe him for it, and I put my faith on the line and it doesn't happen? What happens in our lives when we believe God for something incredible and yet it seems the exact opposite takes place? Because if we don't acknowledge this reality, this message of audacious faith at some point in time will run completely opposed to your life experiences. You see, all of us at some point in time experience a season, a tragedy, a crisis, a moment where it seems like God is not involved. And what do we do When that moment hits, what do we do when it's more than a moment? What do we do when it's a week or a month or a year or a decade? And we've been believing for something and seeking something and asking for something. And it doesn't seem to come to pass. But I want to be careful as we enter this message today, because this message is not to let you off the hook of audacious faith. No, this message is to inspire you, to challenge you, to let the hook sink in even deeper. That even when circumstance says God is not moving, you still walk in audacious faith. That even when physical reality says God has not heard your prayer, you still trust that God is good and that he's moving and working on your behalf. See, all of us have faced moments where it seemed that the sun went down. Sometimes, a lot of times, God shows up in crazy, awesome ways. I love those moments. I'm here to tell you I've seen the sun stand still. Not in the physical world, but I've seen God do incredible things. I've seen people get healed of things that doctors were completely blown away. I've seen families that were told they would never have children bring amazing young boys and girls into this world. I've seen people lose their job and within the next week get a job that pays them twice as much that's even closer to home. I've seen God... Do incredible things and I love it when it goes that way But i've also seen people Ask god for great things And it seems it never came to pass i've seen people with incredible need Who went before god with what seems to be incredibly pure motives And incredible faith And yet the prayer never seems to be answered Sometimes we pray our best most honest Heartfelt prayers, and nothing seems to change. Sometimes the answer never comes, or sometimes the answer is flat out no. Sometimes, even though our motives are pure, our heart is good, and our need is urgent, the breakthrough that we're seeking never seems to arrive. The turnaround moment doesn't occur. The finances get tighter. The marriage falls further apart. The teenager sinks deeper into rebellion. And we wonder, how is this possible? God, don't you hear my cry? Sometimes the sun just keeps sinking down, 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 ever further into the horizon. And it seems that no amount of believing, fasting, or right living can stop it. When I was eight years old, I'm going to get through this, in Jesus' name. When I was eight years old, my uncle got diagnosed with bladder cancer. The doctor who saw him said, if I would have seen you two years ago, I could have saved your life. But it was too far gone. Immediately, my parents, who were people of great faith, started praying for my uncle. My uncle was in his mid-40s. I believe he was 44 at the time. Started seeking God for my uncle's healing. But more importantly, they started seeking God for my uncle's salvation. See, my uncle was far from God. He was raised in a Mormon family just like my father was, and he never experienced relationship with Jesus. He was caught up in so much unbelief and in so much junk. And he was very depressed. He was a very sad man at 44 years old. And I remember we would go to my uncle's house, which is about 30 minutes away, every weekend, every Saturday, we went to see my uncle, to love on him, to encourage him. Now, it, Some of you have heard the story before of when my grandfather was on his deathbed. Uh, When I was 18 months old, my parents led my grandfather to Christ at 81 years old, which is incredible. Uh, But because of that, when my uncle got sick, they wouldn't let my parents alone with him in the room. (laughs) They were not letting another family member get converted on his deathbed. And so they couldn't really talk to him about Christ. They couldn't really share their testimony. They couldn't really pray with him. So what my mom would do is she would just kind of pray silently pray under her breath in the room, and obviously we would pray as a family, driving there, driving back, every opportunity that we got. Well, Uncle John's condition just got worse, and I remember when they hospitalized him. I remember when shortly after going to the hospital, he slipped into a coma, and I remember my mom going into the hospital room and holding Uncle John's hand and, and praying for him, under her breath, just praying in the spirit, just seeking God for his salvation, seeking God for his healing. And I remember when his heart stopped. And it ended at 44 years old with no confession of faith, with no prayer to receive Christ, with no reason for us to have hope. I remember going to the funeral and it being the most sickening, disgusting feeling of death, of loss. And I remember wondering, why? Why could this happen? How could this be? I didn't know anything at that point in my life about Joshua chapter 10 or Stephen Furtick's book or sun stand still prayers, but we prayed some pretty audacious prayers. We prayed some pretty specific prayers. We prayed prayers that we put action to. And yet it seemed that nothing happened. It seemed that they were never heard. I wonder how many of us in here have experienced the discouragement of asking God to make something so important to you happen, and it didn't. I wonder how many of us in here have been through that moment of experiencing a no or a prayer that, for whatever reason, did not come to pass. Chances are, most of us can identify seeing the sun set on our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our requests. You know, Joshua could understand that too. Before Joshua ever went to battle with the Gibeonites, before Joshua ever asked God to make the sun stand still in Joshua chapter 10, before God ever did these incredible miracles in his life, Joshua was a spy. He was a spy for the Israelites and had a partner named Caleb. And there was 12 spies and they were sent out in pairs. So there were six groups. And Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land, the land that God had promised to give them. And they saw that there was giants in the land. They saw that their armies were strong. But they said, you know what? Our God is greater than the enemy. Our God is greater than the foes. And they came back and they brought a good report. But no one else did. And because the ten other spies came back, and all they could see was the danger. All they could see was the challenge. All they could see was the physical. And they chose not to walk by faith, but instead to walk by sight. You may know the story. The children of Israel, Joshua and Caleb included, spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Joshua lost 40 years of his life to somebody Else's mistake He had faith. He was obedient. He believed god and because somebody else chose not to He had four decades of his life ripped away from him I wonder if there were moments in the wilderness as joshua saw his entire generation Die besides himself and caleb I wonder if there were moments where joshua wondered Will the sun ever shine again? I wonder if there were moments where Joshua wondered, how could this ever happen? You see, Joshua spent a huge portion of his life living in the shadow of a setback. And I imagine there's some of us who may be in a similar shadow right now. Maybe through no fault of your own, something happened in your life. And maybe, maybe you had imagined you would be so much closer to achieving your life goals by now. And you'd be so much closer further along and yet for whatever reason because of someone else's decision or because of something that happened in the economy or because of a a boss who had no choice but to let you go something isn't where it's supposed to be in your life and you know you've done the right thing you know you stand before God with pure heart that you've believed him that you've trusted him that you've acted according to his word and yet things don't line up in your life the way you feel that you should a crisis came along and crippled your ambition to do great things for God, or worse yet, to even believe God would do anything good at all. These seasons of setback can be fatal to our faith. It's so easy to lose our way when the sun goes down. You can easily slip into a deep spiritual slumber in an attempt to ease the pain and I've seen it so many times you've probably seen it many times yourself where something happened to someone you love or someone you care about and all of a sudden they begin to doubt God all of a sudden they begin to turn away from God all of a sudden they begin to question if God is really good and chances are most of us in this room have wrestled with those questions ourselves the truth is When those seasons come, we can slip into that spiritual slumber. We can turn away from God. Or we can choose to convert our time of crisis, our time of adversity, into a great opportunity. It all depends on how do we view our crisis. What do we see when that thing comes? Whether we seize the opportunity that comes before us. I can't in good conscience stand up here. I promise you that every audacious, every big, every incredible prayer you ever pray is going to come to pass. I can't promise you that. I'm not God. I promise you this. God is good. And he hears our prayers. And he answers them. And he is for us and not against us. I can promise you those things with a very clear conscience. But I can't promise you he'll answer every single prayer you ever pray. Because if I was to be honest with you, I haven't seen that happen every single time in my own life. I've seen him answer some awesome prayers. I've seen him do some incredible things. But I'm not him. And when none of us can put his divine providence in our back pocket, none of us can ever control his decisions, sometime in life, chance will be somebody you love will get sick and won't recover. It's the fallen world that we live in. We live in a world of sin and death. At some point, that will probably happen. That doesn't mean God doesn't heal because he does and i've seen it but people die it happens chances are you will to achieve everything that you attempt you'll have to absorb and manage some pain along the way to your dreams along the way to your calling to your purpose now that sometimes you won't even deserve it sometimes you won't even have invited it you'll have days that are filled with frustration and misery it's just the reality Of life. Audacious faith does not guarantee us a crisis free life, but audacious faith does enable us to seize the opportunity to see God's glory in the midst of every challenge we face. Even when, and I believe especially when, the sun goes down despite our prayers. Most of the major opportunities recorded in Scripture came out of major crisis. I believe the same is true in our lives. I believe that the greatest opportunities come in the greatest challenges. And the glory of God often shines the brightest when the sun goes down. And we keep our eyes on Jesus anyway. And that's what I want us to do. That's the kind of faith I want us to have. That no matter the circumstances, no matter what we see, we walk by faith and not by sight. This may not be the way that we would prefer it, but it's the way it goes. As the old saying goes, it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. I want us to be candlelighters. I want us to look for the chance to bring light in the darkest situations. So the question is, how can we convert crisis into conquest? How can we take these hard moments in life, these deep challenges, these situations we all go through, and turn them into opportunities for God's glory to shine. Today I want to lay out for you some specific ways that you can fan the flames of audacious faith in your life, even when everything seems to be going wrong. There's no magic formula here. I'm not saying you do these four things and everything's going to be okay. That's like the opposite of what I'm saying. But I'm saying even in the midst of when it's not okay, we can choose to believe God and we can choose to find the opportunity in our disasters. So here's what I want to Lay out for you today four things that we can do to fan the flame of audacious faith, even when the sun goes down. Number one, begin viewing all of your adversity as opportunity. Begin viewing adversity as opportunity. This goes against common sense and conventional wisdom. We normally view adversity as the opposite of of opportunity. If you're like me, you've spent a lot of time asking God to remove all the obstacles to your dreams. You spent a lot of time asking God to make everything go good, to give me a great day, to make sure I don't have any challenges, to make sure everybody likes me, to make sure there's no conflict. That's the way we think it's supposed to be. But God doesn't seem to view things that way. I guess that's why he doesn't ask me for my opinion a whole lot. So instead of taking away adversity, God many times develops and demonstrates develops our faith and demonstrates his strength in our lives by working through our adversity. Here's the thing, if we're going to follow Joshua's example, we got to follow it from start to finish. We don't get to just pick out one prayer and say, "Hey, I'm going to pray like that." We have to really understand what he went through. We have to learn to have Joshua's heart and must take all of his circumstances into consideration. Joshua didn't pray that God would miraculously intervene and stop the sun in the sky so he could have a few more hours of sunlight by the pool to work on his tan. Those are the kind of prayers we pray a lot of the times, right? Man, let's just make it eat Oh, such a, such a great season of vacation, Lord. Just give me a couple extra days. That's the prayer we pray. Joshua said, God, make the sun stand still as I'm on the battlefield facing God's enemies. As I'm walking out, God's calling and his purpose in my life. And that's when God showed up. See, he wouldn't have needed the sun to stand still if he didn't have an enemy of God to defeat. And if you don't face an enemy of God, you'll never experience the victory of God. Where there is no opposition, there is no opportunity. And we have to seize adversity where we need to see opposition as the opportunity for God to do something in our life. When we look across the spectrum of scripture, all the greatest moments, all the legendary heroes, all the stories that inspire us were birthed in the crucible of crisis. Daniel would not be such a household name today if he had not been thrown into a pit of hungry lions. David would not be the legend he is today if he didn't face a nine-foot, six-inch behemoth one-on-one on the battlefield. Gideon would be a footnote in history if it hadn't been for the fact that God called him to lead 300 men to defeat an army of half a million. See, crisis births opportunity, and those men, those women, those legends of the faith went through some terribly scary, frightening times in order to see God do incredible miracles in their life. We wouldn't choose to write our own story that way. If we were writing our story and we were David, we would say, okay, God come and anoint us as king, as the shepherd, and then we're going to go straight to the palace, and we're going to live it up, and we're going to live a good life and have no challenges. That's not the way it went for David. David was anointed as a shepherd boy, and it was 22 years before he sat on the throne that God had promised him. And in those 22 years, he had a king betray him. He had to defeat a giant. He became a fugitive in his own country. He had to live in caves. He fought many battles. He was betrayed by his own kids, and he experienced a civil war in the nation he loved so much before he came to the place that God had promised him. You see, we want to go straight from promise to provision, but it doesn't work that way. There's a process between the promise and the provision, and we've got to stay true to the process, even when the circumstance says it's not happening the way you said it was going to. God doesn't always tell us the challenge and the adversity we're going to face in the midst of the promise to get through the process, to receive the provision. We don't like all that. We want to just get straight to the results. And sometimes God shows up and he gives us awesome results in a moment. I'm not speaking against that at all. I believe it. I've seen it. I love it. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes. The promise takes a while to show up and to continue to live a life of audacious faith, even in the midst of the great challenge. Remember that adversity can be your greatest opportunity. Secondly, and I love this one, throw the first punch and don't stop swinging. I'm not telling you to go just picking fights with the devil. I'm not telling you to go look for battles to get into to invite pain and suffering into your life. You don't have to adversity is inevitable. You will face some. You will experience some pain. You will experience a challenge. I'm simply saying that when the battle begins, you've got two options. You can sit there and let the devil beat you up, or you could go out swinging. A couple months ago, in our 10-4 series, I told you about one of the most embarrassing moments in my life when I was about 20 years old and I was playing tackle football with a group of guys and one guy and myself kind of got into it and we started tackling each other a little harder and started uh, exchanging some words and didn't say everything the most godly way and didn't live the most Christ-like example. And before I knew it, we were standing face-to-face shouting at each other and before I knew it, I punched the dude and knocked him down to the ground, which was amazing because he was bigger and stronger than me. It was the grace of God that he went down, or I would have been beat down. Uh, And thankfully, there was a whole lot of other people there who stepped in after that one punch, and that was the last punch of that battle. Uh, But here's the truth. I'm not advocating. This is not for students to go out swinging on on the football field. That's not what I'm saying. That was a mistake. But here's the truth. I chose the wrong means and the wrong time to walk that out. But in the spiritual realm, that's exactly what we should do. Throw the first punch, man. Take the battle to the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, 12 says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I fought the wrong battle in the wrong realm, but I was fighting with the right strategy. When the battle comes, go out swinging. Take the the battle to him. I told you earlier, Matthew 16, 18 says that upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, guess what? If the battle's at the gates of hell, that doesn't mean hell's coming at us. That means we're going there. We're plundering hell. We're attacking the enemy. We're on the offensive. God gave us a weapon for a reason. And so many times as Christians, we lay back and wait to be attacked. We got to take up a weapon and get in the game, throw the first punch. Seize the opportunity to see God fight for you rather than just letting your enemy destroy you blow by blow. Don't stop swinging. Don't give up. Don't compromise. I don't know what kind of enemies that you have to face that you're going to engage as you fight this fight of audacious faith. You may have to demonstrate the patience of Job and the compassion of Jesus towards a rebellious teenager. You may have to press through chronic physical pain, wondering why it is that you've seen others healed. But for whatever reason, the healing hasn't happened for you yet. Don't stop swinging. Don't stop believing. Keep fighting. Keep trusting. Keep asking God. Stay in the game. Go out swinging. Number three, be the miracle. Be the miracle. Listen, nobody but you and God really know what you're going through right now. But with all my heart, I urge you, trust your heavenly father. Man, trust him. Trust that he's good. Trust that he loves you. Stand still and see his strength as he fights for you. In the book, Sun Stand Still, Pastor Stephen Furtick quotes a, a wise older pastor that he once heard say this. He said, sometimes we get to see the miracle. Other times we get to be the miracle. I love that. Sometimes we see the miracle. Sometimes we get to be the miracle. In other words, sometimes God's strength is demonstrated in us. Sometimes it's demonstrated in what he does around us. And we need to embrace the times when we are the miracle, when he's strengthening us, enabling us to endure setbacks with remarkable strength. I'm so glad that Joshua didn't quit in the wilderness. I'm so glad Joshua never reached a point Where he just gave up and said you know what i've seen too many people die i've seen too many people Pass away before my eyes it's been so long since the promise Seemed real to me. I guess i'm just going To camp out here. I'm not going to keep moving forward. I'm not going to keep trusting and believing god, but he didn't do that He chose to believe that the sun would not stay down forever And even when the sun sets here's the great thing the sun comes back up There's another day coming. There's another promise around the corner. And a new day dawned for Joshua. God raised him up to depose kings and to lead his people into the land of the promise. The promise was incredible when he finally got there. He waited a long time to receive it. But he did receive it. I'm glad God did not cut the crisis moments out of the Bible. I'm glad that everything didn't just happen easy for the heroes of the faith, and then we have to wonder why are there challenges in our life. I'm glad that we see them struggle through big, hard, dangerous moments and continue to believe and continue to trust and continue to move forward. Lastly, I want to encourage you with this. If you want to have audacious faith, even in the midst of the sun going down, number four, if you'll put it up on the screen for us, Never confuse man's due date with God's appointed time. Never confuse man's due date with God's appointed time. If you've ever had a baby, which I have not, just for the record, but if you've ever had a baby, you know that there is a due date set on that child, and that due date has nothing to do with when that kid's showing up. That kid may show up early. That kid may show up late. For me, my due date was, I believe it was November the 16th. Uh, My grandfather's birthday was November the 20th, so my grandpa was hoping I'd show up a few days late, so I'd be on November the 20th, would be my birthday with him. Apparently, God had other plans, or I had other plans, somebody had other plans, because I was not born until December 11th, 24 days after my due date. Three and a half weeks, and my dad says I've been late to everything ever since. Um, And my wife said, amen, Uh, but... uh, Man's due date has nothing to do with God's appointed time, and today, in this day and age, they won't even let a woman go 24 days past her due date, but that's what happened back in 1980 in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Joshua thought he would get to the promised land in the prime of his life. He thought he would walk into the promise at 40 years old, when he was spry. He didn't think he would be when he was 80. He thought he'd get there with Moses leading him, with his mentor, his friend, his hero. God had other plans. He thought he'd get there the very first time that he set eyes on the land and went in to spy it out. He thought, this is our home. This is where we're going to live. You can imagine him picking. This is my hillside. I'm building alongside this creek. This is my place. Didn't quite work out that way for him. It took 40 years. God did not provide the promise by Joshua's due date, but he did provide the promise. In May of 2005, I moved home to North Carolina for a few months I had a couple of reasons for moving home, but one of the biggest ones was I had a younger brother who wasn't serving God. And I thought, after having worked at Church on the Move in Tulsa for four years and trained in ministry, knew I'm ready to go home and help my brother get straight. And I was wrong. (laughs) I did not go in as the conquering hero to lead my brother to Jesus. I did not set him on the straight and narrow. It didn't quite work out that way. And here it is, 2012, and I still don't know if my brother knows Jesus. But I know there's an appointed time when he will. Even though it didn't happen by my due date, I trust that there's a date where it will. I trust that God is going to be faithful and to help him come around. What day do what due date do you have? Maybe you're waiting for a new job. Maybe you're asking for another child. Maybe you're looking for a husband or just hoping to find a date. Maybe you're waiting on healing. Maybe you're like me and you're desperate to see a loved one come around and serve Jesus. Maybe your due date has long passed by. Maybe you keep moving it back. Maybe you're about to give up today. Let me tell you this. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. If it's a God-given desire, if it's a good thing that lines up with his word, don't you dare give up on the God that makes the sun stand still. Abraham did not believe that he could have a child at 100 years old. Sarah didn't believe she could give birth at 90. They had long since given up their dream of having a kid together. The passed their due date, but it was not past God's appointed time. He provided the child. Mary and Martha believed that Jesus could heal their brother Lazarus, and they asked him to come and, and heal him before. It was too late, and Jesus didn't arrive until four days after Lazarus was dead. And they said, why? Why would you let him die? Why would you let your friend, the one that you love, the one that you said you care so much about, why would you let him leave this world? It was past their due date. They didn't think there was anything that could happen. But it was not past God's appointed time for Lazarus. And Jesus spoke into the grave. And Lazarus came out of the grave because there was an appointed time. And it had nothing to do with man's due date. Earlier... This morning, I told you about my Uncle John, who passed away when I was eight years old in May of 1989. I told you how my, pra- my parents prayed so consistently for him. I told you how, even in a coma, my mother would hold his hand and pray in the spirit under her breath and, and pray for his healing, pray for his salvation. I told you how he didn't make it out of the coma. I told you how awful it felt to be at the funeral. Here's what I didn't tell you. A few days after the funeral, a woman called our pastor. We had recently started at a new church, and the pastor there, his name was Rick, and Pastor Rick knew very intimately everything we had gone through. He was praying with us and, and seeking God for John's healing as well. And this woman called Pastor Mark, and she said she had a dream. This is a woman we'd never met before. She said, I had this dream, and I, she described the dream. And Pastor Mark knew immediately, he's like, I know what this dream was about. You need to talk to David and Maryland South. And so he set up a meeting for this woman, whose name was BJ, to sit down with my parents. And BJ and my parents sat down, and BJ started telling them about her dream. She said, I had this dream, and she described this neighborhood. And it was a neighborhood that looked just like my uncle's neighborhood. And she described these kids playing out front, and the kids matched the description of my uncle's children, my cousins. She described the family around, and one of the people in the family had a wooden leg. My dad has an uncle with a wooden leg who's since gone on to be with the Lord himself. She described this whole scene, and she said, she, she came into the house, she started asking, where's John? And she didn't know why she was asking this because she didn't even know who John was. And But the kids were all like, oh, John's with Jesus. And the kids took her around the corner into the living room. And there was Jesus, and there was John. And for us, that was the confirmation we needed, that even in the midst of a coma, even when all physical reality said there was no way he could hear God's voice, there was no way he could repent, there was no way he could come back, that Uncle John came to know Jesus, and that I get to see my uncle one day in heaven. Because we should never, ever mistake man's due date with God's appointed time. Even when it looks like it's too late. Even when it feels like there's no way it could work. God still is working on behalf of his people. God still makes the sun stand still. And I can't wait to get to heaven and hug my uncle. And ask him. How did it all happen? How did it all go down? But I know for a fact there's no way she dreamed that thing up on her own. She didn't know our family. There's no way she could have created the names, the details, the wooden leg, the neighborhood, the timeliness of the situation. God used a person we didn't even know to remind us that he is good, that he is in control, and that he can do so much more than we give him credit for. Never mistake. God's appointed time for your due date. It may be past your due date. It may be past the time it's supposed to happen in your life. That doesn't mean it can't happen. That doesn't mean it won't happen. We serve a God who does amazing things. 2,000 years ago, man had a due date. They crucified a man named Jesus Christ. They took him out of this world. They decided they didn't want him around to spread his crazy ideas to lead his people any longer. But it wasn't God's appointed time for Jesus to depart this world for good. And three days later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God rose Jesus up out of the grave because God had an appointed time. And I wonder if there's someone here today where is your appointed time. I wonder if there's someone here today who's been running. Maybe you've been playing church. Maybe you never even go to church, but you've been running from Jesus. You've never quite made the decision to make him your Lord, to put him on the throne of your heart, to follow him and trust him with your life. And today your heart is racing because it's your appointed time. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes. We're almost done. If you're here today and that's you, And it's your appointed time, and God is speaking to you clearly right now, and he's calling you to come and be his child, to enter into a relationship with him. I want to show you how to do that. I want to walk with you into that relationship, just as my uncle did on his deathbed in a coma. How much greater to get to know him while you still got time to live for him, while you still got time to experience his blessings on this earth. Is there anyone here today, if you would, just slip up your hand and say, That's me. This is my appointed time. I'm ready to meet Jesus. I'm ready to give him my life completely. I'm ready to quit playing games. Praise God. Praise God. I wonder if there's somebody here today who this message was just for you. You're going through some challenging season. You're experiencing something, and it just seems like my prayer just is not being heard. I'm asking, and I'm asking, and I'm asking, and I'm asking, and and nothing's happened. Will you have the courage to slip up your hand that I could pray for you that god would continue to, To give you faith that you would not give up that you would continue to push through keep your hands up I want to see hands all over the room I want to lift up every one of these requests to the throne. Praise God. Father God, you see all these people. You see all these hands, Lord Jesus. God, I don't know their situations. I don't know what they're seeking you for. I don't know what they've been asking you for that hasn't happened yet. God, but I know that you are a good God. And Lord, right now, I pray first of all that they would see their crisis. They would see their adversity as an opportunity. Lord, I pray that they would they would seize the opportunity to grow, to strengthen their faith, to get to know you better. Lord, in the midst of however long this is. Lord, it took Joshua 40 years. It took April Abraham a hundred years. God, but the promise came through and I pray that they would have perseverance and determination to hold on however long it may take. But Lord Jesus, I pray that you would hasten the day. God, I pray that whatever it is they're seeking you for, Lord, I just agree with them right now in faith. God, I ask that you would increase our faith, increase their audacity to believe you despite the circumstances, despite what what this physical world tells them that it's not going to happen, despite all the times they've been discouraged. Lord, encourage them and bring them through this. God, that they would continue to believe you for incredible things in their life. God, I pray that you would help them to go out swinging. God, I pray that they would take up a sword and go to battle, Lord Jesus, that they wouldn't just sit there and get beat down and get discouraged, but they would enter the fray, Lord God, that they would go before your throne, that they would become spiritual warriors, prayer warriors, Lord, that they would look for the opportunities to take the battle to the gates of hell. I thank you for what you're going to do, Lord Jesus. I thank you that they can be the miracle. And I thank you that your appointed time is not the same as our due date. And God, I just pray right now that your appointed time would come in every one of these situations and that they would trust you in the midst of the process. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hands went up all over the room. I know God is doing great things. Tammy's and She's excited. I'm excited too, Miss Tammy. I'm with you. And if you need someone to pray with you today before you leave, Bill and Sally are going to be right here under the fresh start sign. If, if you raise your hand and maybe God's doing something in, in the midst of that process for you and you just don't want to leave before you've sealed that, you can pray with them. Come find me, my wife. We'd love to, to pray with you as well. Before you go, I want to tell you about a couple quick things. Uh, first of all, next Sunday is Father's Day, and we are giving away a 32-inch flat screen TV with DVD player for the man cave uh, how many of you guys are like, I could use a 32-inch screen TV, flat screen? Just a couple. All right, if you didn't put your hand up, you're not eligible to win. I'm just kidding. Uh, so next week uh, we are going to do a drawing. So get here a little early so you can put your name down on a piece of paper, and we can drop it in a bucket at the end of service. We will draw for the TV. Somebody gets to take it home. Uh, the adoption papers did not go through, so I'm not going to be eligible to win, unfortunately. Uh, but uh Maybe God will provide some other way. I'm just kidding. Uh, But... Father's Day is going to be fun. We're going to honor our dads in a couple of other ways as well, but that's the big prize. Be here for that. July the 4th, Freedom Fest. We've been telling you about it for a few weeks. Make plans to join us. We're going to have a grill, uh, a barbecue here after a little short service uh, and celebrate our country's freedom. Then we're going to watch the fireworks in the park and go over there to help clean up and just kind of serve our community. And then VBS Vacation Bible School is July 16th through 19th. Damien, I thought did an awesome job talking about the next generation today. If you care about the next generation, if God broke your heart for the next generation. VBS is a great way to love on them, to connect a kid to Christ. I think last time we did VBS, we had like 11 kids come to Jesus, which is awesome. We want to see even more this year. So join us in praying for that and believing for that. But there's work involved as well. So if you can... Uh, are free to help out. There's a sign-up sheet at the Connection Center. We'd love to get you plugged in. That's all I got for you today. Thank you for joining us for the Sun Stand Still series. Continue to pray with audacity. I believe God is going to move in your life in big ways. Let's stand up and worship as we get out of here.